Welcome once again to Rediscovering Your Passion and Purpose with Patty. And of course, I'm your favorite Pathfinder, Patty Stulen, who just happens to be the Pathfinder, Chief Pathfinder of Pathways with Patty. So once again, I am extremely excited to have another new guest with us today. And this guest, just like all of my guests are going to be, is a very special person. Uh, it is Kathy Otto. And Kathy and I just happened to meet in 1992 when both of us were chosen to be uh, new staff members at the brand new middle school in our town called Vista Campania Middle School. And uh, through the 31 years that she and I have been friends, we uh, during that time, we uh, coached athletic teams together besides being teaching partners. We also were uh, buddies when it came to the eighth grade Washington, D.C. Uh, trip with eighth graders for about a week, uh, not just doing Washington, D.C., but New York City as well and everything that goes along with that. And through all of that, our bond of friendship continues to grow with each passing year. Kathy's story on this path called life, it begins in a very unique way, and I am excited to have her share her story with all of you today. Kathy, it is absolutely wonderful having you here today. How are you doing? I am doing well, Patty, and I just thank you for asking me to do this. I'm very humbled and honored. Excellent. Well, um, as I just told our audience, we, we, we have some history together, don't we? We do. <laughs> and it, it's gone, gone right along with, uh, with life, with the ups, the downs, and the fun times, and the tears, and everything else, hasn't it? It surely has. I mean, when you are friends with somebody for 30 plus years, you're going to experience the gamut of everything um, that life throws you. And Boy, it sure is nice to have friends that come along beside you and help you go through those things to support. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Well, you know, I just happened to mention to our audience that um, that your life started out in a very unique way, which is one of the main bases of why I wanted you to share your story about rediscovering your passion and purpose. So with that said, um, oh, and, and before we get started, I, I'm going to say right now that I know that during this podcast, I am going to slip up and I am going to call you by your nickname that I have, uh, that I built for you many, many, many years ago, which is Lotto. So all of you out there that are listening, just know that if I end up doing that and I, and I call her Lotto, it is a term of endearment. And uh, it's almost like the, her, her real name of Kathy is almost foreign to my ear after all of these years. So just know if you hear me say Lotto, it doesn't mean that she won the Lotto or I won the Lotto. We won the Lotto of friendship. That is for sure. Yes, so if you, hear, if you hear me say that, uh, that's, that's what that's all about. So with that said, Lotto, why don't you go ahead and tell us your story? Well, before I begin, I just want to say a couple things um, to kind of piggyback on what Patty said. Um, I did meet Patty in 1992 when Vista Campana opened its doors. And at that time, I had no idea, you know, what teachers would be coming onto that campus, who I would be meeting, um, who might become an acquaintance, um, a good friend. 
And if I was lucky, who might become a lifelong friend? Well, as it was, um, I was blessed to actually meet two lifelong friends from um, having that teaching experience on that campus. One of those people um, was Tony Robinette. And Patty, you know her very well. She's oh, yes. A friend. And her and I taught language arts together for quite a few years. And the other lifelong friend is you. Um, I am so blessed to have been on that campus and to have met both of you. Um, and I know that our paths did not cross by happenstance. No, they did not. No, you're absolutely right. I fully believe that God orchestrated that. Yep. Amen. So I am thankful for that. And I knew that God put you in my life for a reason. And um, one of those reasons is we share a love for traveling. Yes, we do. <laughs> we have gone on many cruises together. We've seen beautiful countries in Europe. Mm -hmm. We've seen Alaska several times together, Mexico together. And, and I'm sure we're going to see many um, more places together as we live out our friendship. Yes, we will. That is a definite. Yes. And you mentioned about the Washington, D.C., New York trip. We had a few mishaps <laughs> yes. on that trip. Uh, when you take 50 to 75 eighth graders for a week, there's bound to have something that happens. But in the 16 years that I did that trip, um, it was a highlight of my teaching. Mm -hmm. And uh, even though we had a few mishaps, they weren't horrible. And we never lost a child, so that was good. Everybody we took always came back with us alive. <laughs> and, and thoroughly enjoyed the trip, which was mm -hmm. amazing. And it was a good way for us to take them to see um, where our nation's history began. Mm -hmm. But one of the things that I, I have to mention about Patty, and one of the things that I have experienced countless number of times with her is the amount of belly laughs that we have had together. Um, and when I talk about belly laughs, I'm talking about the kind of laughs where you are doubled over in pain, laughing so hard, you can't catch your breath, the tears are streaming down your eyes, and by the time you're finished laughing, you are exhausted, and um, exhausted, but from a good feeling of being exhausted, um, yes. your sides hurt, but we have shared many of those. And yes, we have. Those are special times. And, and a lot of those belly laughs are at the expense of me um, because I have either said or done something silly or stupid. But um, nonetheless, they were big belly laughs that I will always remember. Mm -hmm. So when Patty asked me if I would share my story, my life story on this podcast, my first thought was, Ooh, wow, that's a little bit intimidating because um, you're sharing something that's very personal. Mm -hmm. But um, I knew that I wanted to support Patty on this new adventure that she's taken up with Pathways to Patty and her public speaking um, adventure that she's begun. And I thought if this is going to help her and support her in that avenue, then I want to do that. So as I said before, I'm very humbled and, and happy to share my story with you today. Thank you very much. 
So let me just begin by saying, um, when Patty first mentioned the concept of living your best dash, I had no idea what um, living your best dash meant. Um, I didn't even know what that concept meant. And she proceeded to tell me that living your best dash is, um, or that dash represents the time that you enter this world to the time that you leave this world. And to live your best dash is how you live that life in between those two dates. If you've ever walked through a cemetery, you will see on the gravestones, um, the person's date of birth, a dash, and then the date that they died. And it's how you live that time that you were put on this earth between those two dates. And when she explained that to me, I thought that is a brilliant concept. And I thought, I want to live my dash so that it has a lasting impact on others. And I thought, I want my dash to represent and exemplify my life um, in a way that shows what's important to me. And what is important to me is my faith in Jesus Christ. So part of my story is going to be um, explaining to how my faith in Christ got me through um, the events that occurred in my life, in my story. <clears throat> because um, I was not willing to share my story with anybody growing up at all. Um, and it wasn't until just recently that I was able to share it. Um, a friend of mine, uh, we went out to lunch not that long ago, and we got to talking about our lives. And, and all of a sudden, I just felt I could um, share with her some of the things that took place in my life. And by doing that, um, I think every time you share your story, you heal a little bit more from it. Mm -hmm. And um, so I shared my story with my friend, Julie, and a little bit later uh, after that, um, she said, Kathy, would you mind sharing your story with um, the whole coordinating team um, in our church? And I'm like thinking, oh my goodness. I said, are you serious? Mm -hmm. And I thought it was hard enough to share it with her, let alone 20 to 30 people. But um, I thought about it and I prayed about it and I said, yes, that I would do it. So that's what's making it a little bit easier um, to share today on this podcast, um, the story that I'm going to tell you. Excellent. My life began on April 12th, 1958 in Pusan, South Korea. Um, that day could have easily have been my last day because you see... Um, <clears throat> I was found in a garbage can. I don't know the decision or the details behind that, how, how that came to be, but I don't need to know that. Um, my dash that day could have easily been a mere dot. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> started, yeah, it started out to be um, a seemingly short future for me truly has ended up becoming a life full of experiences, good and bad. And so I will share those experiences with you. Um, I, I don't know how everything came to be, but I ended up 
um, at an orphanage in Seoul, Korea, uh, called the Holt International Orphanage. And I was there for about three months when a couple from Forest Grove, Oregon, um, adopted me into their family. Um, they had heard of the orphanage um, because a couple, a Christian couple by the name of Harry and Bertha Holt had founded the orphanage and they were from Cresswell, Oregon. So early July of 1958, I was placed on an airplane um, in a cardboard box. Wow. And you might think that that sounds kind of funny, but back then the orphanage had what was called Operation Baby Drop. And what they were doing is um, having people from all over the United States adopting Korean orphans from that orphanage. And because there were so many babies being adopted at that time, um, there weren't enough volunteers um, to help travel with the babies to the destinations that they were all going to. So they came up with this idea to put us in a cardboard box that became like a makeshift crib. Oh. And I always thought, I wish somebody would have taken a picture of that because I would <laughs> love to have seen that. And I know today, there's no way that that would be allowed on the airplanes at all. No, no, not at all. No, but um, the autos had actually adopted two baby girls from that orphanage. My adopted sister, Mary, um, who was six weeks older than I was, arrived in Portland two months before I did. Um, we were joined, uh, we joined the Otto family um, who had already two biological sons of their own. So now we became a family of six. I um, grew up on a farm with about 40 acres. My dad, um, besides taking care of the farm, he also um, had his own business. And um, my mom was his bookkeeper and secretary at the time. Now, Forest Grove back at that time was a fairly small town. I want to say that the population was somewhere between eight and 9,000 people. Mm. And because of my dad's um, heavy equipment and excavation business, a lot of people in Forest Grove and the surrounding areas knew the Otto family very well. And my dad was also a deacon at the First Baptist Church in Forest Grove where, where we attended. People who knew my dad um, knew him to be a very honest businessman. They knew him to have an infectious laugh and a kind heart. He literally would give somebody the shirt off of his back. Mm -hmm. At least that's the persona that he portrayed to those outside of our home. What people didn't know about Dave Otto was the kind of man that he was inside those four walls of our home. <clears throat> um, my father was a very violent man and he had a raging temper that would just be set off at the drop of a hat. Um, I was told by my oldest brother that when I was a baby, I cried a lot. And um, every time I cried, that would make my dad angry. Now, my brother wouldn't tell me what my dad would do to me. Um, I'm guessing that it was probably something physically abusive. Um, and thank goodness, I don't have a memory for that. Yeah. 
But the memories that I do have of my dad are not fond memories at all. Um, I remember a time when um, my mom had just put dinner on the table and she had cooked spaghetti that night. And my dad sat down at the table and I remember seeing him reaching for that bowl of spaghetti. And then, I'm sorry. And then taking um, that bowl and tossing it across the floor because he didn't want spaghetti that night. Uh And I just remember that and so many other examples of his erratic behavior um, that he would often show that um, it made me fear him. And it made me want to become invisible whenever he was in the home. So I mentioned that we lived on a farm and living on a farm, you have some animals and we had some cows. And on occasion, a cow would get out of the pasture. And I hated that when that would happen because then that would mean that my dad, my sister and I would have to go outside and strategically place ourselves in places around that cow to try and get the cow to maneuver back to the gate where he needed to go back into. And on this particular occasion, um, I accidentally stepped the wrong way and I made the cow go the opposite direction that it was supposed to go. Well, that made my dad very angry and he totally forgot about the cow and he started heading toward me. And it was at night and as he got closer to me, I could tell that he had something in his hand. And um, what it was, was this big heavy chain. Mm. And I knew that he was going to come over and hit me with it. But you didn't dare run away because if you ran away, that was going to make the punishment 10 times harder and much more painful. So I stood there and I proceeded to put my hands behind my back thinking that I could help soften the blows that he was um, about to give me on my backside. And I remember my hands being totally black and blue for I don't know how many days after that. And it's- Oh my gosh. Yeah, it's a wonder that he didn't break my hands. And um, I just remember thinking, you know, why isn't my mom saying anything? Why isn't my mom doing anything? But she basically couldn't. Um, Another instance was one night, um, again, we don't know what tips off um, this rage in my dad, but he was angry at my mom for something and he started to physically hit her. My brother Neil at that time was still in the house and he was in high school at the time and he came downstairs and he proceeded to try and pull my dad off of my mom, which was a big mistake because you don't dare try to stop dad from um, doing what he's set out to do or challenge him in any way. So my dad um, turned to my brother and he started beating him with closed fists. Um, Neil was able to get away. And I remember seeing him grab the pickup keys and run out of the house and, and leave the house. Well, while this was all going on, um, my mom had the opportunity then to get up off the floor and she proceeded to grab her purse and the car keys and she took off out of the house. 
leaving my sister and I, who were eight years old at the time, with this raving lunatic. Oh, my goodness. And I just remember, I will never forget that feeling of fear and abandonment um, that I was feeling right then. Yeah. Fortunately, my mom and my brother did return home the next day. Um, This violence continued throughout the whole time that I was in the household. And I can remember um, being in high school and almost every day um, I would ask my mom, please divorce him, leave him, get a divorce from him. But being the devoted woman of God that she was, um, divorce was not an option for her. Mm. And I can remember numerous times walking past her bedroom and the door would be slightly ajar and I would kind of peek in and I I could see my mom kneeling on the floor beside the bed, praying to God. And it was her influence and her strength and her faith in God that eventually led me to the Lord in my early life. Um, And it's that childlike faith today that still upholds me. I used to wonder, um, why did God place me in an an abusive home? Why take me from a trash can only to be placed in a home that treated me like trash? I used to think, why couldn't I have been placed in Walt Disney's family? (laughs) I think there's a lot of people that ask that same question. Exactly. I thought I could go to Disneyland anytime. (laughs) Got to be the happiest place. His home has to be happy. But you know what I discovered later on in my adult life is that nearly every home has some level of dysfunction Mm -hmm. in it. And my home was no different. Um, I used to always wish I could be a part of Sandy Patty's family as well. I loved her music and I would buy every album that she would come out with. And I guess that kind of tells you what generation I'm from because you don't really buy albums anymore. (laughs) But I just remember thinking, oh, if I can only be in this person's family, if I can only be in this person's home, But no, I was stuck in the auto family home. But as I have gotten older and look back on my life, I realized that God's plans, um, my plans are not God's plans. And his plans are far better than mine. Well, I couldn't wait to go to college because I knew that that was going to be my ticket out of this dysfunctional home that I had been living in for so long. And I knew that the violence would continue, um, but I was just thankful that I wouldn't be there to witness it or or be a part of it. And it was during my junior year of college that um, my mom became ill. And I remember receiving the phone call from my dad saying that he had just taken my mom to the hospital. And I thought for a split second, oh no, he's done it. He's gone too far. He's, he's hurt her so bad that he's had to take her to the hospital. But that isn't what happened. My mom had developed a walnut-sized tumor behind her ear and it had burst. And that infection had gotten into her bloodstream. 
Well, the doctors were successfully, um, were able to successfully remove that tumor and it wasn't cancerous or anything like that. But as a result of that infection getting into her bloodstream, she developed encephalitis, which is uh, inflammation of the brain. And on top of that, she developed double pneumonia and um, water on the lungs. So for about a year and a half after that, she was in and out of hospitals, struggling with um, breathing issues, respiratory issues, and so forth. The saving grace to that was that my dad wasn't beating up on her as much. Um, I know that it still continued, but I think being in her disabled state, she was kind of bound to a wheelchair and, and on oxygen um, that lessened the blows somewhat. Um, well, she never really fully recovered. And then on April 10th, 1981, my mom went home to be with the Lord. Mm. And I was rejoicing for several reasons, because I knew now that um, my mom was no longer going to suffer at the hands of her husband. But I also knew that um, she was safe and secure with her heavenly father. Mm -hmm. And I always felt, I've always felt that my mom left this world too early. I was 22 at the time, within two days of turning 23. And still today, I wish that I could have had a relationship with my mom in my adult years. Yeah. Um, today, we just celebrated Mother's Day. And even though my mom has been gone for many, many years, it's still a loss. Sure it is. Yep. And you know that, you know, losing your dad as well. Yep. It's tough. It is. Um, but the Lord knew what he was doing and her godly influence shaped my own faith. And if just for that reason alone, I am eternally grateful that God placed me in that home. Well, on February 9th, 1982, just 10 months after my mom had passed away, my dad took his own life by shooting himself. And I choose to believe that guilt played a big part in that decision. Um, I do believe that he loved the Lord. And I do believe that he had given his life to God at some point. And because of that, I, I believe that he's in heaven now. Um, God is a God of forgiveness. And we all need to be forgiven, no matter the degree of the sin that we commit. And all we have to do is ask. Mm -hmm. And I want to believe that my dad asked for, asked for forgiveness before he took his last breath. And I too have come to be able to forgive my dad for the home life that he created. Well, three months after my dad's death, I finally graduated from college and I actually got a teaching job in Tonopah, Nevada. Now I've heard it said that um, there are crucial moments um, or crucial events that occur that can alter a person. One is the death of a family member. Well, I just had two. Mm -hmm. Two is moving to a new place. Well, I was going to be leaving Oregon, which is green and plush and 
rainy um, and moving to Nevada, which I found to be the most desolate place on this earth, <laughs> at least at the time. I don't know if you know anything about Tonopah, Nevada, but it sits, sits 6,000 feet up on this mountain, right in the middle of Reno and Las Vegas. Uh, the whole town was only a mile long at that time. And I remember we would go, we would drive the 112 miles one way to go to Bishop, California, just to go to a McDonald's or to a movie theater. Oh my goodness. Yeah, because Tonopah didn't have any of that. And there were many parents that would drive every week to Bishop to do their grocery shopping. Wow. So to go from Oregon to a place like that um, was not fun. <laughs> Culture shock. Exactly. And then the third event is getting a new job. Well, I had just been hired to teach freshman English at Tonopah High School. Some people have a hard time dealing with one of those events. Um, I was having to deal with all three at the same time. Triple crown. Exactly. Needless <laughs> so to say, my frame of mind, um, both mentally, um, spiritually, was not where it should have been. Um, and knowing no one in Tonopah, um, and I didn't choose to get involved in a church at that time because I was just looking back on it now it's probably because I was angry mm -hmm. and, and why and why wouldn't you be exactly and so I chose not to get involved with the church so because I was not that much older than my high school students they became my friends outside of school and um the form of entertainment there in uh, Tonopah, you have to understand that Tonopah was a, a mining town. And um, so there was nothing there to do. And so their form of entertainment on the weekends was going out into the middle of the desert and drinking beer, which I would provide for them. And I don't even like the taste of beer. Um, <laughs> But I would provide that for them and we would be out there drinking and, and partying. I'm definitely not proud of the choices I made back then. And even though I didn't um, fully walk away from the Lord at that time, I definitely was not living my life that would be pleasing to him um, or beneficial to me. Mm-hmm. I could have so easily lost my teaching credential. Um, I could have easily lost my life. I remember one night partying with my students, getting in my car um, and not knowing how to turn the ignition on. Oh my goodness. And um, that's kind of how inebriated I was. And I remember opening the door, throwing up on my students' um, driveway and then him having to take me home. And that's one of the things I regret today is that even though they saw me as their friend and I was this cool teacher, um, that's not how I wanted them to know me. Uh -huh. <clears throat> um, that's not the person that I was. Right. <laughs> but <clears throat> I fully believe that God's sovereignty protected me that whole time that I was there. Yeah. 
And he still had plans for me. Because like I said, I could have easily have thrown my life away, thrown my career away. Right. Um, during my years at Tonopah, um, I just remember a former a, a student of mine and a teacher that I taught with had committed suicide. And I knew that I needed to get away from that place. And so after three years of being in Tonopah, I was able to secure a teaching job, teaching language arts at Hesperia Junior High in Southern California, which is known as the high desert. And that is currently where I live today. Um, although I live in Apple Valley, there's Hesperia, Victorville, um, and Apple Valley that kind of make up the whole tri-city area known as the high desert. And um, even though I left kind of one desert for another desert, um, <laughs> at least Hesperia and Victorville and Apple Valley are way much bigger than Tonobah, and there's a lot more to do here. And there's a close McDonald's. There is <laughs> and a movie theater. There's a movie theater right out of that side of my gate where I live. Um, so that was in 1985 when I got that job in uh, Hesperia, and I met a teacher, we became good friends and she invited me to her church. And I got involved with that church and I became a part of the high school student ministry with that church. Um, after about five years of being in Southern California, um, I felt the Lord calling me to the mission field. And um, let me back up a little bit when I say, um, when I was in college, a really good friend of mine and you met her, Kathy, um, when we were in Waco, um, mm -hmm. she was a good friend of mine that lived on um, in my dorm and on the same floor that I lived in. And we had a number of occasions talked about going on the mission field together. And we always said, let's just not talk about it. Let's make it a goal. Let's make it a, um, a promise that we will do this. And I, and I said, yeah, 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 we'll do this. Well, she graduated from college uh, a couple of years before I did. Um, I had taken a year's leave of absence due to um, the deaths of my parents. And um, so it took me a little bit longer to graduate. But um, after about five years, and she had, Kathy had been teaching in Oregon, and I'd kind of lost track of her. But um, I finally was able to get a hold of her, and I found out that she was actually on the mission field when I got a hold of her. And I said, oh my goodness, you are actually doing what you said you were going to do. And she said, yeah, where are you? When are you coming? And so I said, it's funny that you say that because I have really felt the Lord calling me to the mission field. And I said, yeah, I'll join you. And I said, where are you? And she said, I'm teaching at Dakar Academy in Dakar, Senegal, West Africa. And I thought, Africa. And I said, why in the world would you choose Africa? I said, Kathy, there's so many other beautiful places. There's Italy, there's Greece, there's Australia. I said, those people need God too. And, <laughs> and she said, um, with just kind of a small voice, she said, Kathy, I didn't choose um, Africa. God did. Wow. And I thought, okay, so you can't argue with God. Uh-uh. No, no, so no. That solidified my decision. And I was to join her that next fall at Dakar Academy. And 
I have to say that that experience was an incredible experience. Um, I got to see students of ours who would dedicate their lives to Jesus Christ. And every time they did that, it renewed my faith and strengthened my faith. Um, I had become good friends with Nancy Johnson, who was um, our principal's wife, and she taught music on that campus. And then it was getting close to my time to leave Africa. And she said, Kathy, are you sure you don't want to stay another year? We really want you to stay. And our friendship was just beginning to take off really well. And I said, you know what, Nancy? I said, I've given that some thought and I've considered staying another year. But I said, I've really prayed about it. And I really feel that the Lord is calling me back to the States. And I said, for one, um, I would lose my tenure um, mm. with um, Apple Valley School District that I was teaching in. And I said, and secondly, um, the health problems that I encountered while I was over there. I um, had contracted malaria several times. Um, Bell's palsy, which oh my gosh. 20 days, my whole left side of my face was paralyzed. And um, being in a third world country like that, as much as you try to put filters on your water faucets and be very careful with bleaching your vegetables and fruits, you're still going to get parasites There's mm. no way around it. And those little bugs, those little parasites did not um, sit well with me. <laughs> oh, so, to say the least, right? Exactly. <laughs> and um, so I knew that I needed to get back to, to the States. So I left um, Dakar and, and Kathy still remained there for another year after that. But I left Dakar and came back to um, my teaching position in Apple Valley. Um, well, I knew when I came back from Africa that I needed to find a church that I was going to be able to get involved with, that I would absolutely love going to. And I happened to stumble upon um, High Desert Church in Victorville, California. At that time, it was called High Desert Baptist Church. And I thought, oh, I grew up in a Baptist church. This church can't be all that bad. And they've since changed their name to High Desert Church. High Desert Church in Victorville is huge. Um, their main campus is in Victorville. But since then, they have three satellite campuses uh, one in Hesperia, one in Phelan, California, and one in Apple Valley. And because I now live in Apple Valley, I choose to attend the church that's on the Apple Valley campus. And I love this church. Um, it's been almost 10 years. In October, it will be 10 years where, where I committed to a ministry on this campus. Um, they brought me on as a part-time staff member, and my position in this church is I am a coordinator. And what that means is I oversee volunteers who take care of the babies um, through first grade. And it's a ministry that I have grown to love. Um, I love the people who serve um, weekly with those children. Um, and my job is to make sure that the volunteers have the curriculum, um, the crafts, the things that they need, taking kids to the bathroom um, when they need to go, um, 
and making sure that the volunteers can do their job of teaching the Bible stories to the children. I currently work with a team of four people um, on this campus. And I have to say that God has truly blessed me with this group of people. Um, they, we work together so well. Our personalities mesh so well together. Um, we love each other. We pray for each other. And we have fun with each other. Good. And my life, like I said, has been blessed by that. And I know that was all part of God's plan as well. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> well, in 2018, I retired from teaching um, after 36 years. And so, Patty, you and I now can um, experience this part of our life together because you retired a couple years before I did. Yes, I did. And I am thoroughly enjoying retirement. Um, Patty started up a group called RAD, which stands for Retired Activities and Destinations. And basically what it is, be, uh, because Patty, um, not only did she teach physical education, she taught um, or was the activities director on her campus. And so she is very adept at finding creative and fun <laughs> things to do. And so this group is made up of retired teachers in our area and, and a few that aren't retired. Um, honorary, yeah. COVID honorary members. And that stemmed, stemmed out of the pandemic um, yep. as our way of supporting them during that time. But it's just been such a good, um, fun group. We meet together about once a month and do some kind of activity, um, maybe meet together for dinner, and, and actually do destinations. Um, and I mentioned Waco. Um, I think that's the biggest destination we've done. We all flew, there were seven of us that flew to Waco, Texas and got to actually stay in the first home that Chip and Joanna Gaines renovated. Yes. And that was- Phenomenal. Yes, it was so <laughs> fun. So I'm looking forward to another um, big destination. Yes. Um, so right now I'm enjoying the life that I am living right now. I know that my past home life um, is not something that I would want to relive over. Um, but it certainly shaped me into the person that I am today. My family is not a family that um, is a healthy example. But what I can say is that I have been adopted into several families from people um, that I've gotten to know. Family who, families who've had me in their homes and have treated me as part of their family. And that means the world to me. And Patty, your family is one of those. Um, I love coming over to your family's house and doing those lip syncs that we would do. <laughs> Put you on stage. <laughs> yes, and it was just so fun. And I, and I felt so welcomed by your family as I have with several other families that have done the same thing. And I treasure that with my whole heart. Um, but I know the best family um, that I could belong to is the family of God. I said earlier that I was not willing to share my story with anyone. Um, growing up. And it's taken me really almost 65 years um, to share my story now.
But I came across something that Fern Bernstein wrote in a devotional that I was reading a while back. And it said, um, only God can turn a mess into a message, a trial into a triumph, a test into a testimony, and a victim into a victor. And I read that and I love that. That's great. And I realized, you know, God doesn't intend to keep us in the middle of that mess. Again, his plans are far better than our plans. And in Philippians 3.13, it says, the Apostle Paul says, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize which God has called me heavenward to to Christ Jesus. And I realized that I needed to press forward. I needed to leave all that behind um, and press forward to what God had intended for me um, to experience. And I know that God is using that mess um, to proclaim the message of his love and his deliverance, at least for what he did for me. So as I tell my story now, um, I know that God saved me on the day that I was born. And that because of that, I was created for a purpose. And it was not to die in that garbage can that day. And I know that my dash between April 12th, 1958, to the day that I leave this earth, I want to continue to fulfill that goal and fulfill that purpose so that I can hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. And that's how I am living my best dash today. Holy Sorry. moly. <laughs> Lotto. Well, all of you listening, I told you it was a unique story and a powerful one. And I have been very, very blessed throughout the last 31 years to hear pieces and parts of that story, but never in chronological order like you just delivered it. I mean, that, so of course it leads me to ask you a couple more things about that sure. because normally I would be asking, you know, my guest on the show, you know, uh, have you had some challenges along the way? Well, yes, you just presented those challenges. My follow-up question then would be, each time that you have come up against those challenges, and you even described, you didn't say it in so many words as losing your passion and purpose, but that in essence is what you what happened to you. How did you rediscover your passion and purpose to move forward and not just use each one of these challenges as an excuse uh, to not do anything or go any further in your life. What, 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 you know, I know you, you your faith is extremely uh, endearing to you. Was that the, the main focus of how you rediscovered your passion and purpose or were there some other things built into that? Obviously my faith is the catalyst behind it all. But I have to truly honestly say that it was the people that God placed in my life mm -hmm. um, throughout the different events. <clears throat> Looking back on those different things that happened in my life, I always had a good friend 
or I had somebody who, um, even though I didn't tell my story to them, because I certainly never told, I had a best friend growing up in high school and um, we actually became roommates in college. She had no clue um, what I was going through in my household. And there were a couple of times she would say, Kathy, why don't you ever invite me to your house? And I would just kind of laugh it off and say, oh, it's really busy at our house. You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I didn't clean up. But I was embarrassed to bring right. some to my house because I never knew what kind of mood my, mood my dad would be in. And I don't know why, because on the slim occasion when my friend would just drive over to my house um, unexpectedly and my dad happened to be there, he, like I said, the persona that he portrayed to people outside our home, mm -hmm. I thought he was the best dad around. And I remember my friend saying something like things like, man, I wish I had a dad like your dad. He is yeah. funny and he's um, he's so nice. And deep inside, I'd be thinking, oh, man, if you only knew. Right. I still couldn't tell them because of um, the feeling of shame. Sure. And, and embarrassment. But I have to say that God strategically placed people, what, what our church calls our oikos, mm -hmm. strategically placed those people in my life who encouraged me um, without even knowing my story. <clears throat> they would encourage me. And I think that's what um, kept me going. Well, and you were you were open to receiving their 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 friendship and their love and their support, exactly. you know, without you even realizing it. But that's what you, you were doing. You were you were willing to receive it. Yeah. And I think I was hungry for it. Right. Because, um, a lot of that was missing in our household. You know, it wasn't a. It wasn't a leave it to beaver kind of family, <laughs> you know, warm fuzzies and warm milk on the table, you know, at night. <laughs> um, excuse me. But so when I would meet a friend um, or a group of people, um, I kind of latched on to them. And those were my saving graces. Mm -hmm. you know? and, and they still are today, you know, just because I'm an adult and my parents are long gone um, and I don't have to deal with um, the physical abuse and so forth. You still deal with the memories of that. Sure. And <clears throat> there are times that, you know, those memories hit you harder um, mm -hmm. than other times. But for the most part, um, I know that that's in my past. And I know that God brought me through that, through all of that unscathed basically mm -hmm. um, you know I didn't come away with any broken bones or anything like that close you know <laughs> when you get that chain right um, but um I, I do know that my dad loved me though too there were mm -hmm. times that he did show his love toward me and, and and I do remember those as well um but in answer to your question I I have to say um it was all the people that he brought into my life along the way that kept awesome. me going. Excellent. Okay, kind of going into the next question that I'd like to ask my guest. What, what would you say is the best uh, thing that, that, best piece of advice that you ever got from anyone? 
Whoa, uh, let's see, best piece of advice. Um, well, now that you ask that, it's hard to think of because <laughs> there's probably been so many. Um, but I think first and foremost is if you have a faith in God, um, daily, daily renew that faith by being in his word, by praying and just praising God, because that's what's going to change your attitude and your mindset on how you look at things. And um, I still can go through disappointments. I can go through failures um, and things in my life, but it's how I look at those. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just recently did a devotion with a couple friends of mine and in it, there's a part that says, you know, God didn't show up because uh, I'm going to get this wrong. God didn't show up because they were praising God. Um, he, he showed up because, no, I'm going to get that wrong. I forgot how it went. <laughs> there was something to that part, to the effect of we need to always be praising God because when we're doing that, that's when he shows up. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's true. You know, you, you can have a down day and stuff and be going, Oh, woe is me. Um, or you can praise God that you're alive, you know? Right. So it's perspective. It's how you look at it. Well, and, and one of the running themes that I, I know will continue in almost every, if not every episode that I do of this podcast is um, it's okay to have a pity party. Mm -hmm. We just don't want to uh, put up stakes in a tent for a long, you know, for an extended like eternity. Uh, you know, it's okay to have the pity party, but then let's figure out the lesson and let's move forward. And that's, that's exactly what you, you have done. Yes, you've had your pity parties because that's part of life. Mm -hmm. but you just didn't get stuck there. Exactly. Well, there were times I got stuck there, you know, <laughs> probably longer than I should. And those down days, like I said, and those pity parties are still going to come because we're human. Right. And yes. we experience all, you know, a plethora of emotions because we are human, but um, praise God, we don't have to stay there. Yep, exactly. So uh, now that you are retired, what would you say for you is the best thing that has happened since you've retired? Well, one of the things um, is I have the freedom to be able to travel more. Um, I just got back recently from a cruise from Hawaii and um, my I got my brother and sister-in-law hooked on cruising as well. So I think we may take another trip to Alaska in September. Um, so I do enjoy that part. I do miss aspects of teaching. Um, one of the things that I noticed now that I'm out around away from the school is, and I do miss the kids. Mm -hmm. um, I don't miss all the grading and all the essays, you know, having to read all the essays and so forth. <clears throat> but I do miss that interaction with the kids. And I think that's another reason why um, I chose to get involved in a ministry in our church so that I could still be a part of working with a group of people, working with young, well, in this case, really young children. But um, it gives me that avenue to still be able to do that. And sure. I, I enjoy that. 
Excellent. So um, I'm sure that you have had people along your life's journey that when you have shared with them something that you are truly passionate about and believe that it was your purpose at that time, that they have, as you've heard me say before, uh, yucked your wow. Mm. How, how how do you respond to them or how did you respond to them when someone has yucked your wow? You know, and I'm going to be very transparent here. Um, I don't really remember too many people yucking my wows. And the main reason for that is because I have never been this bold in my life to share my faith as I am now. So I used to think, oh, I need to tell people more about my faith and what God's done for me. But I never had that boldness to be able to do that. And I think maybe if I had, I probably would have had some yucks, you know, but I lived my life um, just kind of day by day. It was just kind of, you know, mundane. Um, and yeah, I would thank God. Oh, you know, I know God, thank goodness he's in my life and stuff. But I never really got to know God as I know him now. Mm-hmm. And so um, the only yucks that I can maybe think of is when my students said, I didn't like this assignment today. <laughs> you know? Or something like that. Yes. <laughs> After you put all this time and effort into the lesson and the exactly. your lesson. <laughs> but I have to say, um, more than not, they enjoyed the lessons that I presented. Um, thank goodness. Um, so I don't really remember having too many people yet. That, that's well, a good thing. It is on one hand, but on one hand, it's like, okay, well then I don't think I was doing enough that I should have been to put and it could have also been when somebody was yucking your wow you just chose not to take it in true because you knew it was what you wanted to do and it wasn't about them it was about you and what you wanted and what was good for you yes um so so uh would you say that your passion and purpose what would you say is your current passion and purpose I would say now looking at telling my story and now have told it a couple of times. Um, it's definitely wanting to show others um, that faith is important. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to have to get you through this thing called life. Um, because everybody's going to struggle with something sometime in their life or maybe throughout their life. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I want to make more passionate is the courage um, to be able to share that faith when a situation or an opportunity comes up. Because I think that's um, what's very important. And that's our purpose that God intended us for to do. That's why he placed us on this earth. Mm -hmm. And I want to become more intentional with doing that as I live what life I have left. Excellent. So, um, Lotto, what would you say is your superpower? Oh, my superpower. I, I think if, if you want to call this a superpower, I don't even know if it's a superpower. It's more of a reaction, I guess, but it's laughing, being able to yes. laugh. 
Um, I agree 100% on that. Yes, yes, yes. That is your superpower. <laughs> and to get other people to laugh along with you. Yes. Um, I love to laugh. And um, like I said, we were talking earlier about those belly laughs. Um, <laughs> painful as those could be. Those are, <laughs> those are fun. Yes, they are. Laugh and make other people laugh is a joy. Yes, it is. Well, you know, <clears throat> normally I would be asking people, you know, how are you living your best dash? Well, I, I the story that you just shared with all of us, everybody can tell exactly how you have and how you continue to live your best dash. And as you know, I have created an acronym for the word dash, which stands for daring to achieve a successful and happy life. And with what you have shared with us during this podcast, you are a living example of what it means to live your best dash because of your vulnerability to share your story with everybody here today. And um, I, I am so very grateful. I know you were extremely nervous about getting on here and doing this. And I, I just have to tell you that it's just been absolutely remarkable what you have shared with us today. And uh, and for that, I, I just can't thank you enough. Is there Are there any final words or uh, words of wisdom or thoughts that you would, or, or a favorite saying or quote that you would like to finalize with our guest today or with our audience today? You know, I just, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but I kind of want to just say that um, each time everybody has a story to tell. And some stories are not as glamorous as others. And some are filled with much, much more trauma than what I ever went through. Um, but one thing that I wanna say is use your voice to tell that story because you never know how your story may resonate with somebody else who may be going through something similar um, and how, that you, how getting through your story, how you deal with that story can help them in their own life. Um, and that's part of the reason why I can tell my story because each time that I do, like I said, a little bit of healing takes place mm -hmm. and it becomes a little bit easier each time. I never in my life ever thought that I would let alone be telling a friend at lunch my story to a group of 20 to 30 people um, in a meeting, tell my story. And now to a podcast of who knows how many will hear or see this podcast. Right. But I tell my story um, because it's for his glory. Mm -hmm. Amen to that. And with that, thank you so much, Kathy, AKA Lotto for sharing your story and being my guest today. I really you continue, you continue to inspire me and you continue to, I know will continue to inspire the audience uh, with everything that you've shared today. And I am just so thankful that you have continued to rediscover your passion and purpose to be able to continue to live your very best dash. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. 
Well, and for you out there listening, remember to subscribe to this podcast and also remember to invite your family and friends to also subscribe to it as well. And don't forget to check out my website at www.pathwayswithpatty.org and sign up for a Zoom chat with me or at least get on my email list and you can receive my weekly Pathways with Patty newsletter. And then, as I've said before, until we meet again, continue to live your best dash and know that life's an adventure and I want you to enjoy the journey because your life really does matter. Thank you to each and every one of you and God bless you all.